Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, and it's good to be right back with you. Live and in color, video, audio. All you can handle, bro. Monday, (laughs) October 14th, 2019. That music is really fucking loud in my ears. How about you, (laughs) Ken? Dude, I thought it was at a Ranger right now. Ah. It's episode 221, Anakin Florian Podcast. Ken Flo repping Mickey Ward. If you're watching on video. Yeah. And I got bad news if you don't like the Boston accent because in honor of the UFC being at TD Garden this weekend, I will be doing most, if not all, of today's program in a Boston <laughs> accent. <laughs> Please do it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but we're going to let it go. We're going to let it go. If we had some proper 12 whiskey, we would really let it go. Um, I probably, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but we're, we're doing a little special shoot for the pre-show. Uh, it'll be myself and Brendan Fitzgerald in a Boston accent, just sitting around somewhere in Boston. So I'm flying in early and yep. uh, I'm sort of intimating to our producers that I probably need to be drinking and I definitely need to be swearing if I'm going to be doing all this stuff in a Boston accent. So uh, we'll try to spare the listeners from the whole episode today, but I can't promise that it's not going to just creep out. You know, how's Fitzy's uh, Boston accent there? Is is it any good or not? Oh, I'm I'm sure it's pretty good. I mean, I'm sure if uh, if he's a part of this shoot, you know, um, that get him a couple of beers, you know, you know what I mean? Just make sure he doesn't get in his car after because that's going to be. That's right. Hard, okay. hard pass on this. Hard the pass. Fucking on this. problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh. glad you chimed in. Uh, so, uh, you know, I gotta congratulate all 28 fighters on this Tampa Bay card. Oh shit, Longo's probably already on. I'm, I'm just getting totally ahead of myself. Yeah. All right. We don't even need the drop. Uh, the great Raymond Peter Longo now joins us. Sorry to keep you on hold. I just got a little bit ahead of myself, Ray. I almost, I almost uh, cured my jet lag. From Australia, listening to you guys. <laughs> I think my jet lag is gone. Oh man! Well, how are it's you good holding to talk up, to John? You. I want to know how the heck you're holding up because that not was a great. rough trip for me. Yeah, not great. Not great. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Not great. I mean, that was uh, 
I'm trying to find a quiet place to talk. Hold on one sec. Take your time. But Take that was, time. I thought that was, uh, that was a rough trip. Dude, it really, it, there's nothing fun about it. It never gets shorter. Uh, I, I, it's it's God's country, and I don't ever want to go back. I mean, it's really <laughs> fucking far. You know, like, I don't know how else no, to put but it. Wait, but wait, I love wait, the people. What the said, though? Were they not the nicest people in the world? Tell me you are not, like, a B-list celebrity in Melbourne, Australia. No, no, I was, I tell you, I felt the love. I will say that. Uh, yeah, everywhere you went, more, I'm sure. More than any place. I mean, I think that's why I'm so... Uh, Gaga Google over. I mean, the people were just absolutely fantastic. I really did. I, I, I loved Sydney, but Melbourne really, I think, outdid those guys. Man, they were they the fans were phenomenal. And did they I, say? I, isn't I, that I isn't that Ray Longo yeah. from the John and, uh, from the Anakin Florian podcast? Yeah, isn't yeah. that how they introduced the Hillos? That's exactly not what they said. But yeah, you're right. You're close. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> and they did listen, Danik was Danik was huge over there. He took we took a selfie, man. What the love we got from that picture was phenomenal, John. I, I don't take a lot of selfies. I took one with Yoani and Jay Check and I took one with Ray Longo. That's it. Two. Yeah, but uh and with that, man, let me just give a shout out to David Human Unin. I I keep getting his name wrong, but he hosted Al, he had a gym over there and what a I mean, just a gracious uh I mean, what a nice guy! Just, uh, I, I, just a beautiful host. What a great personality! I felt like I knew the guy for years, and uh, just I had such a good time over there. Even, even though we didn't get the W, I mean, it was just a great experience with the crowd and everything else. And I, I couldn't even get down after the fight. You know, they wouldn't it, let me. They were. They, that's how nice they were. So what about the Iaquinta fight before we move on to uh, the steamroll of Matt Favola and eventually Chris Weidman? I mean, what were your thoughts relative to how you expected it to go down against Dan Hooker? Well, obviously, not even close to the way I, I uh, thought it was going to go down. But, you know, the calf kicks at the beginning really uh, changed the most, just changed that fight. His leg, he must have hit you know, nick that nerve right away and then, you know, walk the takedown, he took some vicious elbows. So after the first round, it was just hard to come back from that. But uh, you know, I thought he I thought he was winning the second round up until he got dropped, you know, at the very end and you know, I thought he had his moments but it wasn't just wasn't on night, man. It just uh it kinda sucked because he, he looked good in the back. I thought the warm up was good and uh I think that calf kick literally changed the momentum of that fight right from the start. Ray, I, I know you're not looking for excuses, but is, is there anything um, in regards to his knee that may have affected his, uh, affected his performance, or maybe the fact that it was in Australia at all? Uh, look, man, I mean, you got to give the guy credit, and John. I mean, you'll you'll agree with this, and I even talked to the guys from Australia. Nobody likes flying out here and fighting. I mean, to take that trip around the world, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, that that trip alone could kill you. I mean, yeah. I, I know I'm way older, and it's a big difference, but that is just not an easy flight. And I know these guys are young, and they go all over the place, but I still give them credit for that. And, uh, and that's why even Dan Hooker wants <coughs> Dustin to come to, to New Zealand. You know, who the hell wants to come over here? So that's a big undertaking, you know. So, uh, no, no, it's, look, his knees are never going to be good. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. you know, whatever. But he, he went into that fight feeling good so there's definitely no excuses and then Hooker did a great job look we knew the guy was tough you know that, that was no question about it and you know we were concerned he had some really good outside knees and that didn't take place but that calf kick 
even though we knew they threw him, it's, it's just hard. That's hard to defend. And I think some guys, you know, it's like the leg kicks, Kenny. And when they first, when people were first leg kicking everybody, you know, people were going down from leg kick. Now yeah. they've, like, evolved to being able to take it. And I'm assuming that's going to happen with the calf kick. I mean, the way Paul Felder walked, I mean, Barboza hit that guy with 20 hard calf kicks, and he still kept going. So it's one of those things I think some guys are going to deal with it better, uh, right. and some guys aren't. And, like, you're right, if you've had... You know, previous issues, I'm sure that nerve is a little more sensitive than in other people. Yeah, I'm definitely gra- I'm definitely glad the, the cap kick wasn't around when I was fighting. It, it's a hard thing to deal with. You, you have to approach it completely differently than, than your traditional leg kick. But um, one of your dudes Without that did doubt. get... One of your guys that did get a win was uh, Matt the Steamroller for Vola. Man, did, did you... I, I know you've spoken very highly uh, of him... But did you imagine that this kid had this kind of a this kind of a heart uh, into this fight? I mean, it was one of the most amazing things I've seen. Yeah, no. Look, I think. Look, I think even the Lando Veneta fight, he showed me mm-hmm. what kind of heart yeah. he has. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, no, yeah. I I knew that going in. I knew his cardio was good, and even after the second round, uh, you know, a couple of people text me. I go, no, the guy's cardio is good. He should be. You know, he should be fine, but the comeback he had was absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I, I knew after the Lando fight that this guy had heart. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Now, you don't want to go to the well too many times, but, man, he's, he's hard to stop. Man, if you don't put him out, he's going to keep coming. Unreal. And I, and I got to tell you, man, I mean, I, I don't – honestly, I had him winning one in three – and I get where you could try to go the other way because the guy came back in the first round. But I thought it, I really thought it was an easy fight to score. I don't know. I, I get it. Like, Pena's upset, but I don't get, like, why he, it's definitely not a robbery. No no, no, no way. No. You want to say he, he stole the first round, but that's what I'm saying. You want to rest on your laurels saying that you stole the first round, maybe? Like, I don't know. He couldn't have thought. He had a. You had to know it was. You had to think it was one and one going into that third round, and the guy did nothing. So I don't know why he would be pissed at anybody. Is is a little crazy. I mean, he seems like a good dude, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, either way, the first round was close. You know what I'm saying? And it was a split decision. And you know, like for me, I know he's my guy, and I'm biased, but I had it one and three, like no problem. <clears throat> So uh, real quickly before we move on to uh, to Chris Weidman. So if you're Ally Quinta as the number six ranked fighter in the world, you accept a fight against the long, difficult Dan Hooker, who is number 15 in the world, close to where he lives in Australia. It speaks to a mindset of somebody who at least I would think would wants to stay active, right? So, I yes. mean, h- how quickly are, are, is Al able to bury this one and try to sort of remain relevant, for lack of a better word, in that top ten? Yeah, no, I think he's, uh, you know, it's funny because I talked to him, you know, and obviously the leg is good, the leg is better. You know, he went to Hawaii right after, so I'm sure he'll be fine. He's got a great mindset. But, you know, the first thing he says, i got to work harder. And I'm like, Al, you might be the hardest working guy on the team. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's yeah. his that's his mindset. So I, I love where the kid's coming from. Look, that kid will always be loved by everybody because he puts his balls on the line every fucking fight. He's yeah. great in the gym. He's got the best attitude out of everybody. He's just a 
a solid guy all the way around. So he, even in losing, man, I mean, those fans loved him. And you saw at the open workout, he got a lot of love in Australia. Of course, as so. you articulated on these airwaves for weeks, like he had a lot of support over there. There's no doubt about it, you know. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a good guy, and he, he comes to fight. You know what I mean? It's. Uh, I think it's like tough, though, can. because... After a while, right, and he said this publicly, he doesn't want to be known as the tough guy, the heart guy. He wants to be yeah. known as the skilled guy. And it's like, for me, everyone would always say, oh, Anik's super prepared. It's like, well, is he any good or does he just, like, work hard, you know? Because no, 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 that's the thing really for Al. Like he wants to be no, known he, as an elite lightweight. And, you well, know. I got to tell you, that's, uh, that's I mean, going to be part of the conversation I have on. Technically, he's really freaking good. He's technically good. I mean, I think he could... You know, we definitely kickbox professionally, box professionally. Uh, I, I I think, look, in this fight, he wanted to implement the wrestling, you know, more. And I think when he got elbowed in the back of the head, man, it kind of, like, again, those elbows, you probably could have stopped the fight. It was hard to watch. And I don't want to see him take that type of damage. But those elbows were really, really hard. Yeah. And it kind of just changed it. But I think if he just, you know, stood up with the guy and did his thing, I think he's winning that fight. You know what I mean? So there's there's a couple of things to talk about. Like again, technically the guy's really good. There's no question about it. anybody who watches the guy in the gym. He does. He he's really 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 good. But you you have to be able to, you know. There's a lot going on in MMA. You know, so you got to pick something. Like you see a lot of guys like uh like I'll just use Covington for an example. You know, maybe not the most or, or Aspirin, not the most talented guy standing up, but. He's going to implement what he wants to implement 95% of the time. I mean, he had a bad go the last time, but for the most part, he's going to get what he wants, that guy. So yeah. I think if Al chooses like the same mentality, he's going to do great. You know what I mean? So it's like I think, look, here's the deal, and Kenny, you'll agree with it. There's no linear logic in, in MMA. You know, Barboza beats the piss out of Hooker. Kevin Lee beats the piss out of Barboza. Al beats the piss out of Kevin Lee. There's yeah. no on any given day any of these guys could beat any any of these guys. That's just the way it is. It's not a B can beat B, B could B could beat C. Linear logic does not exist in there. It, that that this fight was a great example of that. You know, yeah, because, be, because so many things can go right and wrong on fight night. Uh, styles make fights. You know the way that people match up. Uh, you know yeah, traveling it, factors, injury factors. It, it it really is freaking wild. It's just fucking crazy. It really isn't like. Yeah. You know, Chael always brings up a good point because somebody was saying it to me yesterday. Like, you know, this is a job for these guys. And, you know, like I woke up today, my head was fuzzy. You know what I mean? Because I didn't get a good night's sleep. So you got to hope on the day you get up, you're feeling 100%. And that's not like you got 365 days to, you know, have a couple of bad days. It's got to, you got like three in a year. You better be on your game 100%. You know, and it's tough. So... Can you give me the short answer on how we address these calf kicks if we're not this, like, big-boned Irish Catholic Paul Felder <laughs> built type, you know? Well, no, because Ken Flo obviously could take a calf kick better than, say, I could take one, right? But uh, right. you've got to be real careful, man. It changes the whole complexion of the fight. So how, as a coach, do you make sure that uh, that, that doesn't happen again? Yeah, well, you know, first off is, you know, I, I think – the first thing I would say without, like, even, like, addressing, like, the check-in or turning your leg in, because, you know, if you can't, like, like you know, even in tie boxing, it's not like you check a kick and, oh, that's, 
No, that still hurts. You know what still I mean? Still hurts, like, yeah. If your legs aren't conditioned the right way, right. you're going to have a problem. So you got to go back to, I guess, first. my first thing was don't be there. You know, a lot of movement, mm-hmm. switching stances, like a Dominic Cruz. He's going to be hard to calf kick because he's always switching leads and he's all over the place. And that would be my first line of attack. And then, you know, getting your leg up and checking and, you know, would be definitely, you know, something like respecting it right off the bat. You got to come back with something and make the guy pay. If you're going to get kicked, he's got to get hit three or four times. So he doesn't think it's for free and you get those shots and, you know, they add up. And I'm sure 10 years from today, that might not be an issue, but for right now, it just reminds me of the, the, the first time people started getting leg kicked. You know, now people take leg kicks like it's nothing. Yeah. So if I'm Longo coming back from Australia, right, and you go you go Melbourne to LAX and then a little layover in LAX and then to New York, right, you feel like you got hit by a tornado. I'm going black car service from New York to Boston, Massachusetts for Chris Weidman this weekend, or are you flying? No, no, I'm actually driving up. I'm taking the ferry over. I'm chilling out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a short trip for me. That's not that's like going to Atlantic City. So, no, no black car service. But you know, the only thing that made that trip nice for me coming back, you know, we flew. Uh, me and Matt flew first class. Was I looked to my left and there's the beautiful Megan O'Leary, my roommate <laughs> in the, co- there you in the go. cubicle in the cubicle next to me. So it made it a little. Uh, nice. But I did want to during the trip. Whatever you do, don't look to your right because I don't know. what. I mean, I'm out of my You can't mind. promise what you're going to see on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, said, Megan, I said, Megan, please. I'm not even joking. I said, just keep looking to your left. Don't even make the mistake of turning this way. You might see me sleeping with my thumb in my mouth. Uh, who knows <laughs> what's going on over here? So <laughs> when, a, uh, when a proud New Yorker like yourself uh, walks into the city of champions, Boston, Massachusetts, I mean, like, do you feel the aura? Uh, and will that help Chris? No, that's really not my question at all. Um, but uh, we'll be happy yeah, to welcome you, you guys. Listen, I love everybody. I love people. I'm a big yeah. Paul Yastrzemski fan when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I'm, come I'm on with the yes, yes. That's Ty, you, I'm, not, I'm, not let, yes. I'm not letting you start a rivalry. I'm just saying, if you think you're going to be half as beloved on the streets of Boston as you were in Australia, it's just not going to happen. I'm hoping one listener, can some listener please walk up to Ray and just say something to the tune of like hey we ain't rooting for you guys this weekend like you you fucking bleed new york <laughs> you start you're starting to break up a little bit but i think i got the drift of that but uh i i feel the love in boston already i i feel like it won't be no problem you know there's a lot of you gotta remember there's a lot of boston guineas down there too well I'm, i feel yeah, the love already this is true yeah well at the Orpheum Theater for the weigh-in on Friday at 5 p.m., I promised to blow it out for Chris on the microphone, even though my instinct would be to be like, hey, from New York, here's Chris. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I always tout you as one of the most professional journalists <laughs> I know. Please, yeah. please, do not, please do not disappoint me, please. So uh, some of our listeners get on us if we don't ask you technical questions or some guy. Yeah, glad I checked the calf kick box today. But seriously, this fight against Dominic Reyes, he's undefeated. Obviously, huge experience edge in big fights for you guys. Um, what changes for Chris um, at 205 pounds? I got to say, here's where I'm excited because we finished camp on Saturday. I mean, he's probably 211 right now. The guy's on weight, and he's... yeah. I'm really excited to see how much of a difference this is going to make. I really am because, you know, as I go back and, you know, like at the 
beginning, I was like a little apprehensive. Now I'm, I'm gung ho, man. I, I, I'm looking at this guy healthy, happy, and I've watched this guy kill himself with the weight cut. That's not going to happen. So this is an interesting fight, man, because he looks like he's on point, and he's, uh, it, like, I might say this before every fight, but then, you know, I go to the weight cut with him, and I'm like, holy shit, this is just right, hard to right. look at, man. You know, oh. it's, it is, you know, Kenny, you know what could happen, man, and what your body's yeah. going through, what your mind's going through. So this is a totally different animal, man. It should be, uh, I think he's just too much for this kid. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm very excited about this, because I know the weight thing isn't an issue, and we're going to mark that off the box. Because I never know how much, I always say this with all of my guys, you know, they look great, you know, 15 pounds heavy, and when, when they're making weight, and then something happens in that week, and, it's just not the same guy. So this is this is interesting. So he's healthy. I think his mind's in the right spot. He's not going to kill himself this week. Uh, and his his weight, I think he's like six pounds away. So I don't even consider it a weight cut. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, in the Did being here in a couple days. I just started. If I answer the question, I just started ranting. And what was the well, question? I- no, I think it was a pretty good answer. I mean, if you wanted to give us two cents on Dominic Reyes and, and maybe what kind of challenges he brings to the table, you could. But you could also say, I'll see you guys in Boston. I don't care. Yeah, no, listen, obviously, look, he brings the mindset of an undefeated fighter. And he's, you know, his stand-up is good. He's got great picks. Um, but I don't think that's going to be enough to keep this guy off him. So, yeah, I'll see you in Boston. All right, my man. Pleasure as always. Thanks, Thanks for the extended time. Thanks for leading the show today. We'll uh, we'll see you in a few days. Good luck, dude. All right, guys. Always a pleasure, man. And uh, I will see you guys in a couple of days. There he is. Title Town welcomes the great Ray Longo in a few days. He is on every week, of course, here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And I, I rudely began the show when he was on hold by congratulating all 28 fighters on the Tampa card. Like... This was one of the most action-packed nights of MMA uh, that I've seen in a long time. I know there were 28 fighters who competed, uh, and I don't know that there have ever been 15 UFC fights in a night, except for maybe in the way early days. Um, But just stand and cheer for these fighters, Kenny, I guess was my biggest takeaway. You know, from fight one all the way through the end of the night, just so much heart and um, just a willingness to to just compete and get knocked out and whatever it takes. And I'm not saying it was like the cleanest night or the most technical night. I, I just, yeah. as a fan, um, you know, three margaritas in or not, I really enjoyed what I saw. Big picture over the weekend. Uh, listen, I didn't see the, the whole card. I, I saw the main card. I didn't see the prelims, uh, I should say, uh, to be more specific. Um, but I thought the main card delivered as far as excitement, no doubt. So... I had my wife watch a fight with me. I was like, just watch Nico Price against James Vick, okay? Yeah. And Ken Flo tweeted something you. to the effect of that was the sickest upkick that you've ever seen. Yeah. So uh, with respect to Ioana Young Jacek, I just would like to start there. How about Nico Price? When you're fighting this guy, I mean, I hate to sort of denigrate James Vick's fight IQ right off the top, but when you're fighting Nico, he is a wild man. Even Jeff Neal, who is as structured as it gets, got baited in a little bit. Um, great stuff from Nico Price. Obviously, wins another bonus, feeding the family and everything else. But uh, you know, you got to be careful with Nico Price, and, and obviously, James Vick paid paid dearly for not I being told, careful. I told Ian Parker he didn't yeah, know. Did. Yeah, I did. told him this is the problem when you fight a, a guy like a Nico Price is he really is very good at making things 
dirty right off the bat. And I just didn't think that James Vick really had uh, the discipline to avoid something like that. Um, I thought he was doing well. Uh, but Nico just has that ability uh, to turn it into a brawl every single time. Um, and, I mean, that's exactly what he did. This guy is going to look to knock you out or submit you from just a lot of odd angles, things that people typically do not do. Uh, and, man, I hope James Vick is okay. That upkick was nasty. Oh, yeah. It sounded awful. Um, and, you know, again, James Vick has been hurt a few times now in these fights. Um, I, I hope I hope he's going to be okay. Yeah, that was a tough visual, and I probably yeah. buried the lead uh, when it comes to his well-being. Uh, but Nico is is a super hard worker, and uh, as are all of these men and women. But you got to feel really good for Nico, the family man, uh, for the bonus and for a knockout that obviously uh, resonated with a lot of people. Uh, before we bring on Ian Parker to help us with this Tampa recap, I just want to get your thoughts on Ioana and Jay check in five rounds. It took, uh, but decisive in defeat of Michelle Watterson. It's an amazing legacy for, for Ioana, man, you know, 10 UFC wins. Now she's been in nine UFC title fights, main events, like a champion, great five round fighter fought through the broken foot. Uh, just an absolute pleasure, uh, to watch her compete legend hall of famer. And, uh, you know, another, opportunity for her to prove herself in a big way this weekend and, and she did it again uh, she certainly did um again showed a lot of toughness dealing with that foot injury in round three i believe it was round three um was the more technical fighter all, all the way around people forget how good her takedown defense is uh she did a great job of not only countering a lot of those takedown attempts from waterson but also turning into um advantageous positions on the ground at times which was a nice evolution to see in her game um, it shows that she's a true martial artist, um, showed a lot of respect to Michelle after the fight as well, um, and, and just really put on a clinic on the feet. was just way too fast, way too many weapons, uh, seemed to confuse uh, a Michelle Watterson who was heading into that fight with a lot of momentum. All right, more on that coming up here with Ian Parker. First, though, I want to sneak in the pronunciation of the week because... I'll forget if I don't, and TJ just kills me. Uh, it makes me laugh every goddamn week with this thing. So, uh, TJ, if you don't mind, we're going to squeeze this in before we bring on Ian. Uh, this fighter, born in Sydney, Australia, grew up in New Zealand. A lot of those crossovers where they rep both when it comes to the Anzacs. Daniel Kelly uh, trains this guy. He'll take on Greg Hardy in what is his UFC debut in a featured bout part of the main card in Boston this weekend. TJ DeSantis, uh, you're a couple over 500, I think 11 and 9. Uh, who am I talking about? Ben Sassoli. All right, let's hear him say it. The combat wombat, Ben Sosoli. The combat wombat, Ben Sosoli. The combat wombat, Ben Sosoli. TJ is 12 and 9. See, TJ wants to move it along today. He's like, I'm going to get this right today. I'm not even going to make him laugh. So 12 and 9 for TJ DeSantis, uh, disgruntled Minnesota Twins fan. I mean, what's it like? 13 straight to the Yanks in the postseason or something like that? Uh, Dana White said it best once upon a time. It's business as usual. Yeah, it, it, yeah there you go. All right, Ian Parker in 60 seconds. First, though, is there something that interferes with your happiness or is present, preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, there's a solution that is about as uninvasive as it gets. BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. What really appeals to a lot of people, myself included, is that you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online setting. A lot of convenience that comes with that. It's done on your own time at your own pace. Secure video or phone sessions, and you can also chat and text with your therapist as well. BetterHelp with licensed professional counselors who are 
specializing in a lot of different realms, sleep issues, anxiety, depression, relationships, grief, self-esteem, and more. Anything you share, of course, 100% confidential, 3,000 licensed therapists available worldwide. And if you're not happy with your initial counsel, you can change anytime at no additional charge. Financial aid also available for those who qualify as well. And that's a strong part of this as well. It is truly affordable. Also, Anna and Florian podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code AF. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash AF, betterhelp.com slash AF. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you will love. That is betterhelp.com slash AF. All right, joining us now live, Ian Parker, uh, as we continue to recap the Tampa show. Uh, so in our main event challenge scoring system, you you are richly rewarded for picking big underdogs. Like Nina Ansaroff over Claudia Gadelia was a big springboard for Ken Flo rallying to win the 2018 main event challenge. So there were some weight question marks with Ioana, even though that seemed to be much noise about nothing. Um Ian Parker changed his pick last minute from Joanna by decision to Michelle Watterson by decision, thereby putting three points and throwing them in the trash can. Now, I understand the value in our system, Ian, but uh, you, why did you do that? And uh, what were your thoughts on the fight, obviously, this weekend? I was fucking drunk. Uh, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so much of a better excuse. You know what? The way the night was kind of going... Uh, you know, there was a few upsets that were a little intriguing. I just felt that, you know what, I, I was going to take a shot. I thought because I got Amanda Hebus that I got a couple on the point. I went ahead of Kenny by a little bit. So I was willing to risk it. But as soon as I did it and I texted you, I said, what the fuck am I doing? What a stupid move. Especially the minute I saw Joanna walk into the cage, she just looked good. I mean, this weight cut thing, we, you know, you and I spoke. I didn't think there was really any, uh, I thought it was all smoke. Yuana looked amazing. Big ups to Michelle. I will tell you, when Michelle got on her back, uh, you know, what was it, the third round or second yeah, round, yeah. and almost sunk in that choke, I was like, oh, my God, please let this happen. But to be completely honest, I had Yuana in, like, seven different parlays. Oh, I'm so sure I was willing sure. to uh, eat that on the main event challenge to win some money All in right. real life. Right, exactly, because the stakes for you coming in late in the year in this are non-existent. I mean, you're welcome to pay off the bet with me, whether it's a power hour or whatever the hell else it is. Oh, I, Still oh, like, I will, I will. Yeah, okay, I mean, it's I'm, so, I'm but it's like, right, like there's not, but there's not like preschool tuition at stake. I, I, I understand <laughs> that. Uh, but no, it would have been four points for Watterson to win. Mm. And I think the point that we spoke about privately is that, you know, if you're monitoring the situation, like once you want to step on that scale, she looked fucking great. You know, right. it's like that, you okay. know. So anyway, I digress. What were your thoughts on, uh, on Joanna's performance uh, over the weekend? Um, you know what? For someone who's been away for a little bit and against someone in Watterson who proven, who's proved she's very tough. You know, she is really an Adam weighted heart. The size difference, she, uh, the difference, I'm sorry, there was, was very obvious. Uh, I thought Joanna really looked like old Joanna. Um, her, pretty much her combinations were fantastic. Her kicks looked great. I felt like she was throwing the same combination, though, over and over again, and it just didn't matter because it was working. You know, I, I don't know if against someone um, who wasn't taking that much of a beating, if that would have really worked as well. But, man, she, she looked good. I thought it was interesting that Michelle was able to take her down twice with the same, literally it was the exact same takedown, same result, just couldn't execute. It's good to see Ioana back, though. She's extremely talented. I, I can't wait for that title fight that she's going to get. I know she won oh, yeah. Poland. That would be devastating to her opponent. If, if, you know, at first she couldn't get her visa. Now she gets the visa. 
But instead of even bringing her to the U.S., they're going to send her to a stadium in Poland right in Joanna's backyard. I hope for her sake that doesn't happen. But, no, Joanna looked great. Her cardio was like, just unreal. Oh, yeah. I, I, felt, I felt for Waterson there. That was a tough one to watch. Yeah. Zhang Wei Li don't mind going to Poland, I'll tell you that. She don't care. She just wants to fight, uh, which is great when your champion is <laughs> that way. So, uh, Ken Flo, I want to lead with you on Cub Swanson and Crone Gracie. And so much respect for both these athletes. I mean, Cub had lost four in a row, right? Hadn't won a fight since becoming a father, and he's got three kids, so it had been a while. Uh, but Crone Gracie, just the book on him was that this toughness, this heart was all in there. And, uh, yeah. You know, he thought he won the fight. I did not. I didn't think it was 30 to 27 times three the other way. Generally speaking, I like when the forward-moving fighter is rewarded, and Crone Gracie was nothing if not forward-moving, but I do think he lost the fight. Uh, your thoughts on Crone in defeat and ultimately the win for uh, for Killer Cup? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think um, I needed to see anything from Crone to, to know that he was going to going to show hard at some point in his UFC career. I, I knew that was within him. This is a guy who comes from a family of warriors. Um, he didn't blink when he got hit, uh, hurt or hit. Uh, kept coming forward, as you said, but um, really, the the footwork and the speed advantage for Cub Swanson was significant. Um, and despite that, Cub got hit with some big shots as well. I mean, he definitely was showing it after the fight. Uh, Crone Gracie did everything he could to try to land some shots. But really, at the end of the day, we knew that his strength was going to be on the mat if he was able to get on top of Cub Swanson or get position on uh, on his back or on a limb. Uh, Cub was going to be in trouble. Uh, Cub just never let that happen. Um, did a good job of um, keeping the fight where he had the strength, where he had the advantage. Um, could have moved his feet still a little bit better, but was just landing shot after shot, going downstairs to the body, opening up the head, mixing things up really well, um, being wise of when to throw those kicks um, as to not get countered or the takedown. And um, really, I thought it was a pretty solid performance for Cub Swanson, who sometimes doesn't make the best decisions. Yeah. Uh, with all the pressure that he had heading into that fight, um, I thought it was a, a pretty spectacular performance from Cub Swanson. Dad, what kind of coffee you drink today? Ken Flo just sharp as a tack. Ian, uh, what do you got for me on Swanson Gracie? Ken Flo just doesn't want me to sound smarter at all by any amount of words. Uh, so he comes, I mean, geez, how do you follow that? You got anything? <laughs> it's hard. Um, no, Kenny hit it on the spot. I will tell you the thing with Crone Gracie that kind of bugged me was just the, the lack of uh, takedowns, really, and how he was trying to trying to enter. is something that Ken Flo and I spoke about during the week on Instagram Live, was I was a little surprised Ooh, that IG he wasn't live. setting it up. IG Live, once a week, you you know, we, we, it's a hot show. It's a hot show on Instagram. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a, <laughs> it, it was a little weird for me to see that Crow was so willing to brawl with someone where I felt that really gave Cub every path of victory to win. I will say that one thing with Crone that he was doing well was when Cub was exiting after every exchange. It seemed like Crone was tagging him. But to not set up your takedowns, to not get this fight to the ground, I, I don't know where he thought he won this fight. Um, the world is round. It's not flat. So then again, you know, we're getting into enemy territory here. But good for Cub Swanson, man. This fight meant a lot for him. And you know what? He still got it. He looks sharp. And uh, hopefully Crone really learns from something, really doesn't think he won that fight. Because if he fights like that, um, he's not getting. he's not going to get into the top seven or top five in that division anytime soon. So good for Cub Swanson for rising to the occasion. 
Ken Flo for 24 months, Pahumpa has been in my ear about Amanda Hebos. Uh, just mm. like I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 30 to 27 times three, a winner over the now one loss Mackenzie Dern. Uh, she got a motivated in shape Mackenzie Dern and uh, picked her apart. Any thoughts on Hebos? Uh, again, you're going to expose my Brazilian jiu-jitsu bias, aren't you? You're just going to you're going to just for. call you're going to you're going to call me out. No, rightfully so, dude. I listen. I I thought that. Uh, Amanda Hebus looked fantastic. Um, really, the, the key is is the takedowns, right? Exactly what Ian said about Crone uh, or Crone's inability to take the fight to the mat and get have that advantage uh, by being on top. Uh, Mackenzie just wasn't able to do that. She had a, a moment or two where it looked like she was able to do something with a submission there on on uh, Hebus, but uh, Amanda uh, again, a black belt in judo, she's going to be pretty knowledgeable there as well. Certainly not at the level of Mackenzie Dern on the ground, but uh, her ability to stop the takedown just threw Mackenzie off repeatedly. Not to mention. Um, her just far superior uh, technical striking game. I thought she did a great job of utilizing her, her uh, reach, her length, keeping McKenzie on the outside, making her pay repeatedly time and time again. Um, and, and it was hard to watch. It's hard to watch McKenzie, um, you know, get beat up like that. Um, I, I thought she showed a lot of toughness like I knew she would. Yep. Uh, but, man, she's, she's going to have to do some work in regards to not only her wrestling game, uh, but to her striking so she stays much safer in there. All right. I wish we had another hour. Some some weeks this show needs to be two hours because I'd like to get into a whole Ryan Hall, Crone Gracie conversation just mm. in terms of Ryan striking and how seemingly more developed and structured it is. Right. And how I don't know. I just think there, there's so many different things we could do if this show was longer. Um, maybe when Parker's Power Hour debuts and he has his own show, <laughs> uh, we can get a little bit deeper. Uh, but, Ian, in the nature of time, I mean, you got to pick up your kid at 59. Is that right? 59 works, yeah. Is this amazing, though, that, like, like, dude, I mean, who wears the pants, bro? <laughs> told me wife was picking up the kid this week, you know? You told me we were doing video. I'm sitting here uh, on AirPods. So, I mean, and to be honest, Did you, you shave? Hey, pants. I'm sorry. It, Ian's, <laughs> Ian's got it pretty good. This guy just, you know, he... he, he you know, he has to help out with the kids, but what, does he sit on a couch, make bets all day? I mean, I'm he's he's living you. pretty good. He is. You're absolutely right. Uh, let's got get bro, I am the most gl- I am the most glorified Uber driver for my children ever. <laughs> all right? So uh, I'm going to move quickly because we got a lot of fights that are close to pick'ems that I wanted to get to. Um, underdog incentive might be there for you guys this week. Uh, Ken Flo led 123 to 119 going into UFC Tampa. Uh, again, Parker left three points on the board. So instead of winning the week, uh, you guys tied two, two nice underdog winner though, for IP on Amanda Hebos. Uh, it's one twenty-five to one twenty-one as we go into UFC fight night in Boston this weekend. First pick for us today, uh, will be Duran win second UFC fight slight favorite here. Minus one twenty against Darren, the dentist Stewart, who is minus one ten, uh, Ian Parker. Who do you have here? I know who Kenny's going to pick because of the bias, and normally I should do the same thing, but I'm not going to do that this week. Uh, there's no more friends in this main event challenge. It's fucking business. I say that until we get to the main event. But um, right now, you know what? Between the last, I'm going to go based on the last fight. I thought Darren Stewart was way more impressive. You know, I thought his, his cardio is what everyone was kind of giving him shit about. He changed it around. His cardio looked great. His striking looked good. He's big for this weight class, and he's fighting a guy who I think is super undersized for this weight class. I think, you know, Deron Wynn had a lot of trouble against a guy in Spicely. The range was a problem, and I think Stewart is 
a way better striker and a way better athlete than Spicely. If Wynn can't get this fight to the ground, I think he loses the striking battle. So I'm going to take Darren Stewart here. Ken Flo, ninth UFC star for Darren Stewart, three and four with a no contest, 28 years, years old, has some power. If you don't know Duran Wynn's story, uh, DC's right-hand man, they coach wrestling together at Gilroy High School. Duran actually moved to Gilroy to pursue this. Initially, he was just out there to help Daniel. So huge bond between those two guys. Ken Flo, Duran Wynn, Darren Stewart, your thoughts? And he's kind of like a mini DC, isn't he? Yeah. He's uh, yeah. you know uh, a little bit smaller for the weight class, but finds a way to get it done. Has an excellent wrestling background. I think took fourth. Uh, at the U.S. trial, so he was one of the best wrestlers in his weight class in the country. Um, wasn't able to get on the Olympic team, but uh, again, obviously, that's uh, a wrestling pedigree that will go far here in the UFC. Um, yes, I think he's not going to be as good of a striker as Darren Stewart. I think uh, the dentist is going to be more dangerous in that department. Certainly the bigger guy for sure. Uh, Duran is going to have a reach disadvantage but, you know, I think Eric Spicely is an unorthodox striker. I think he's also very good on the ground, which kind of threw Duran Wynn uh, off a little bit. I don't think he has to worry about the ground game of Darren Stewart here, which I think is going to make him more comfortable in him, in him getting in on those legs and finishing those takedowns. Uh, and I, I think he wins this by decision. I, I like Duran Wynn here. All right, Jerron win for the flow. Next up, great women's fight here. How about this? Macy Barber, born 1998, youngest fighter on this UFC roster. She is minus 140 against Jillian Robertson, who is plus 110. Jillian Robertson, of course, under the great Dean Thomas since she was a teenager. She's won four or five in the UFC. Ian, all of them finishes coming off her first career knockout, and she would appear to be a real problem. Of course, Macy Barber, though, is undefeated and all the rage. Your thoughts on Barber versus Robertson? I give credit where credit's due. I think Jillian Robinson's done a really good job taking advantage of the opportunity she's been given. That last fight, she was fighting someone that people were kind of building up a lot of hype. But if you looked online, a lot of the guys that were betting all went all went in Robertson's favor. She thought the other one was the girl was all hype. And I kind of think in this situation for Robertson, this is a good step up. I just think Macy Barber is going is just still. We we talked about this last time in Barber's last fight just too much on the athletic standpoint. You know, in the women's divisions, when they get to a point where the athleticism, there's such a difference, despite, you know, maybe a difference in skill level on the ground, the athleticism really comes into play. It's hard to really go against Macy Barber here. Um, I think physicality-wise, it's just going to be too much. I think Robertson is a good fighter. This is going to be a really difficult test for her. I got Macy Barber here by decision. Can flow Barber 2-0 thus far in the UFC. Two stoppage wins, both due to strikes. Same method of victory for her on Dana's Contender Series, which was how she busted her way in. That was July of 2018. She is 7-0 overall. Uh, Jillian Robertson seems in prime form. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, listen, she has a lot of momentum, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, gaining way more confidence now, uh, looking way more comfortable in the octagon as well. Um, it wouldn't shock me if she won this fight against Macy Barber. I, you know, I... I think Macy Barber has some good potential. Um, I, I haven't seen uh, the hype necessarily justified at this point. Um, I, I think Macy, she's well-rounded. She moves really well, uh, really doesn't get thrown off by, by much out there. Um, pretty methodical in, in her approach. I, I think she should win, uh, but I think this fight's a lot closer than people think. Okay. So Macy, Macy Barber. Barber. Yeah. Minus 140. 
All right, at lightweight UFC newcomer and contender series winner Jonathan Pierce, minus 120, so a slight favorite here against Ken Flow victim Joe Lozon, who is minus 110. I love Joe Lozon as a man. I really do. One of my favorite fighters on the roster. But for some of our new listeners, Ken Flo, I want to take them back to April 2nd, 2008. Main event, Broomfield, Colorado. He hates when I do this. Ian, I'm fucking doing it. This was an angry, primal Kenneth Allen Florian, literally very close to his fighting prime, not quite there yet, just fucking angry. It was Boston versus Boston, bludgeons Joe Lozon with elbows and punches, maybe the greatest night of my life as an MMA fan, because I met Kenny in Somerville, Massachusetts during that training camp. So I was like, dude, this guy's about to start MMA live. He's fighting in the main event. It's like, there's a lot of pressure on Ken Flo. And dude went out angry. Ian, if we had more time... I, I could let you have a comment. Otherwise, I need your pick. Pierce minus 120, Lozon slight dog here uh, at minus 110. Oh, I would love to see angry Kenneth one day. Is that what we go by when you get angry, Ken Flo? Is it Kenneth? <laughs> you just get angry? You go full Kenneth turn on in, everybody? I turn into it. water boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so in this fight, listen, I, I love Joel Alizon. He's been around for a while. I, I actually took Joel Alizon when he knocked out. Jens Pulver, uh, by accident, I bet that. Literally clicked the wrong wow. button and paid out very nicely uh, on the wrong way of a parlay. But this fight, I think Joe has just been around a little. I think the damage just kind of uh, done too much to him. I don't think the evolution his game is really there. I think a young guy in Pierce coming off the series, I, I think this is his fight to win. I'm surprised the odds are as even, almost as evenly matched as they are. But I'm going to go Jonathan Pierce here. Um, I, I'll root for Lauzon. I just don't see it happening. I'm going to go Pierce. Uh, we call him Lozon uh, in the UFC. It's one of the easier names to pronounce, incidentally. <laughs> just say opposite of high, it's Lozon. Uh, 27th UFC appearance for Joe Lozon. 44th pro fight, Kenny. Started UFC career 3-0. and Has yet to win three in a row since. Three quarters of a million bucks in bonus money. 15 bonuses, but trying to avoid a fourth straight loss here. Your thoughts on Joe Lozon, uh, what should be an emotional walk there at TD Garden this weekend? Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, um, I know Jonathan Pierce is the younger guy. He's definitely fresher. He's got a lot of things going on for him right now uh, in the UFC. I I, I do think that Joe Lozon in Boston is going to be a different guy. I I think he's going to be looking for... Uh, this win with everything he has. Um, I don't know how many more fights he has left in him. Um, I think Joe Lozon uh, will get the win here by submission. Um, I, I think Joe is going to be buoyed by this Boston crowd. Um, he will be fired up and ready. He realizes that he can't let his career go down this way. Um, I, I think Lozon gets it done. You're just getting me excited to, to get back in that jungle this weekend Uh, at heavyweight Ian Parker former NFL second team all pro Greg Hardy modest 265 Ben Sassoli plus 205 Hardy's already fought three times here in this year in 2019 won the last two by first round TKO after of course that DQ uh, in his UFC debut Uh, you think Sassoli has anything for Greg Hardy this weekend unfortunately I don't I still don't really get this anymore. After beating Juan Adams, I really thought they were going to give him a step up in competition. I, I know this is a fill-in, but, man, when are we going to get Greg Hardy versus Derek Lewis already? Let's just do it. we got, oh. we got to get Derek Lewis in this fight. Uh, I'm going to go Greg Hardy. On a betting standpoint, I would parlay him elsewhere. Uh, I, I don't ever take guys this 
heavy and a straight-up pick, but until they really give him someone that can match the athleticism or has fought way higher level of competition, I'm never picking against Hardy again, so I will go Hardy. Hardy was supposed to fight Man Mountain in uh, Singapore, uh, but they move him up a week here uh, to fight against Ben Sassoli, who had a weird circumstance on Dana White's Contender Series. The fight was called off because of an accidental eye poke. It was a no contest, but Sassoli uh, is a take-on-all-comers type and certainly will have no problem punching Greg Hardy in the face. Ken Flo, any thoughts on uh, Ben Sassoli here against the uh, the former Carolina Panther, Greg Hardy? Well, listen, I, I think Greg Hardy uh, gets it done here as well. I, I, You know, Ian, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience, so I think the UFC is giving him the right fights here at this point in his career. I still think he has a lot to learn. Um, he needs a lot of development. He needs a lot of experience. I, I don't think this is, um, you know, a, a weird fight at all. I, I think it's a fight that makes sense. He's still developing. Um, yeah, Greg Hardy for the win. All right, co-main event, uh, also very close fight here according to Las Vegas. Yair Rodriguez minus 120, Jeremy Stevens minus 110. Uh, Ken Flo going to lead the dance here on the co-main event. We will also need the round and the method of victory. Similarly priced to when they fought a, a short time ago, uh, my enthusiasm obviously for this fight is off the charts, Kenny. I, I can't imagine that you can completely eliminate the emotion uh, that comes with the fight that was just so recent. Uh, what do you think, Yair, Jeremy Stevens, and are you deviating from the way you picked this fight when you made a pick You know, about a month ago? John Anik is on it. The dude's in tune. Hey, listen, I, I, um, I did pick Jeremy Stevens in that first one, um, but something really threw me off. There was two things that threw me off. First of all, uh, how emotional Yair Rodriguez was um, fighting in Mexico. That that kind of was a little bit alarming for me. But when the fight started, uh, the speed of Yair Rodriguez seemed to be a big-time problem. Also, the fact that this is now a three-round fight, I think, puts... I think a, a little bit more of an advantage on the side of Yair Rodriguez. I think that his speed, his ability uh, to move in that octagon, um, I think it's going to be very difficult for Jeremy Stevens to catch him and, and hit him with a good one. Yes, Yair does get hit at times. It would not be completely shocking to see Jeremy Stevens get a KO win here, but I do like Yair Rodriguez to win um, by decision uh, against Jeremy Stevens. Yaya Rodriguez decision. Sorry, Parker. Yeah, sorry I'm I'm winning and I can just like pick my friend's friend Duran win and it doesn't <laughs> even matter. Sorry. Uh all right, Ian, twenty seven days after that fifteen second fight, Rodriguez and Stevens rebooked. Good for the UFC making it happen. Mm. Uh how do you think it plays out? You know, originally I was gonna switch my pick to Stevens, but just because I, I don't know who would want to fight a pissed off Jeremy Stevens. But to Kenny's point, uh, and what me. we got from that fight was the speed factor, and Ken Flo beat me to the punch also. This being a three-rounder instead of a five-rounder absolutely plays in the favor of Yair because he can keep that speed up without, be, without being all that worried. And, yeah, if Stevens lands, it could be, could be a rough night, but Yair's a really good striker. I don't think he's as careless or reckless as people kind of paint that picture. So I'm also going to go – I'm going to keep my pick from the first time around. I'm not going to jump ship because uh, – and he's got the lead here. Um, I like Yair Rodriguez by decision as well. And just one thing real quick, if I could rebuttal Ken Flo from his uh, comment on the Greg Hardy thing. Ken, I don't yes. disagree with you um, 
on how they're giving matchups to Greg Hardy, right? I actually mm-hmm. literally understand, like, literally why they're doing certain things to develop him. But when you give him a guy like Juan Adams, who was being kind of hyped up to be the guy to beat him, you know, you don't go from Juan Adams and essentially go backwards to a guy that was on the contender gotcha. series that fought and an eye poke happened in the first, like, 12 seconds. I would have expected them to give a name within the top 15 at heavyweight because that division lacks so much depth, unfortunately. And I don't think you need to kind of put, like, literal newcomers in front of Hardy. You know, blasting Adams into the next world, they could give him someone a little bit more recognizable, in my opinion, if they're trying to build him into something. That's all. Not a, not a bad point. For sure. Hey, bro, you can rebuttal anytime you want. You're, you're the guy with the time crunch, bro. You can rebuttal anytime. It's your platform. You rebuttal anytime you want. That's right. I just sent an Uber to pick up my son. I'm fucking ready to rebuttal everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm telling you. I mean, hey, my wife calls a lot of shots, too, but, uh, you know, not on Mondays. The Anakin Florian podcast takes priority. All right, main event prediction for me and Parker. Dominic Reyes, minus 165. Chris Weidman, plus 135. We'll need the round in the method. Ian, on the way out, who do you like in the main? This is a really tough one for me for all the obvious reasons due to my relationship with Chris and, you know, the family and his career and stuff. You know, I, I, I will say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick Chris on the relationship. If Chris can get this fight to the ground, listen, I think in the, in the striking department, this is going to be very – it's going to be tough for him. Dominic Reyes presses the action, super athletic. We haven't really seen a ton of mistakes from him. In the Vulcan Ozdemir fight, however, I did think that he lost that fight. Um, you know, so there is a blueprint to follow. I just, I think this is a very tall, tough task for Chris on his first entry into the 205 division. But it's one of those situations where it's like, hey, if I'm going to go there and I get a chance to really jump the line with one win, the path of victory for Chris is to get this fight to the ground. I hope he does not stand and bang. Um, we've seen what's happened before with him. You know, people kind of shit on him a little bit because of the way he's lost. But if you look at all those fights, he's either been winning or it's been super competitive. And he, then the unfortunate ending. I think Reyes is going to be a lot for him. Um, I'm going to pick, like I said, I'm going to go Chris by, by decision. Uh, I hope he can get this fight to the ground. I think that's where the path to victory really is. And before you let me go, um, there's a couple of other things I want to throw out there on a betting standpoint. I know, John, you and I talked about this off the air. I love Kevin Holland minus 165 over Brendan Allen. Love that fight. I like Macy Barber. I know I picked her here. I like her at only minus 125. I think that's crazy. And I also like Molly McCann in a parlay with Greg Hardy. Oh, look at it. That's what I'm talking about. Ian Parker, a few picks to click on the way out. Hey, I do need, though, for the record, uh, a quick pick on the featherweight fight. Manny Bermudez, minus 170, the favorite, moving up a division here, facing the fellow Massachusetts guy, Charles Rosa, who is plus 140. I just need a winner on that for the record. If Manny Bermudez does not win this fight and I bet on him again, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Um, I I think this time around without the weight cut, I think we're going to see the Manny Bermudez we're used to. Rosa has not fought in a very long time. And in those last couple of fights, he definitely didn't look like the prospect we were hoping to see. I just think Bermudez is way better on the feet and way better on the ground than Rosa. I think he's going to be way too much. I like Manny Bermudez at minus 140. If this dude does not make weight, cut him from the UFC. All right, 159 on the screws. That's the final word. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, man. All right, Ian Parker for the main event challenge. Ken Flo, I'll get your uh, your pick here on Bermudez and Charles Rosa, and then we'll circle back and get your main event selection. So Charles Rosa, for his last fight, had a 450-day layoff, and now another extended layoff. Yep. Bermudez is staying very busy. 
this is his first featherweight fight, and obviously he had cut a lot of weight and was not effective at doing so. Um, he's about a two to one favorite here against Charles Rosa. Any thoughts on that fight before we circle back? Wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised to see a ground battle here uh, yeah. between these two. Ah, tough one, man. Just not seeing enough of Rosa, but uh, let, let's go with Bermudez. I, I think uh, I think he gets it done. All right, Dominic Reyes and Chris Wyman, very interesting main event. And mm. there are certain fighters, when you look them in the face when they're cutting weight, you just know they've been through hell, right? whether it's the dark black circles or just seeing them sucked out to the nth degree. I'm glad that that is no longer Chris Wyman's reality. In theory, I would expect him to be pretty strong here as a light heavyweight, as we've seen a lot of middleweights go up and realize success. Uh, your thoughts on Wyman against uh, a plus athlete for sure in Dominic Reyes? Yeah, listen, I think Dominic Reyes is a true 205-pounder. He's big for that weight class, okay? And Chris Weidman, you know, if he's 211 right now, um, again, you know, what what is he going to be? Maybe 215 on fight night, something like that. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised to see Dominic Reyes at like 225, maybe 230 on fight night. That's significant, not to mention he's the taller fighter. He's got the longer reach. Um, those are a lot of disadvantages to have to deal with uh, at an elite level. And I think uh, Ray's being an undefeated fighter right now, um, that is also a big advantage. Um, Chris Weidman um, has been on a roller coaster ride uh, over the last few years. That can mess with your confidence. Um, I think Chris Weidman does have the recipe and does have the skills to get the win here, though. Um, I I think he's the better wrestler. I think he's going to be much better on the ground. I think if his game plan doesn't revolve around those things, uh, he could be in big trouble. Um, I do think Reyes obviously is the cleaner striker. I think he's going to try to keep Weidman on the outside, stop takedowns, stick and move. Uh, and then look for his opportunity to to land a knockout like a knee or something like that. Um, I do think that's possible, but I'm going to go with an upset win, Chris Weidman, by submission, round two. Round two submission for Chris Weidman. And if you don't know the book on Dominic Reyes, former college football player, Stony Brook University, every bit 6'4", trains under Joe Stevenson, uh, another Ken Flo victim there, if I'm not mistaken, by the way, uh, for our younger audience out there, born in like the late 90s. Um, but 29 years old, Southpaw, uh, obviously brings a lot to the table, yeah. and we will see how it goes for uh, for Chris Weidman. Uh, as hometown underdog or home underdog, I guess, uh, even though to me, New Yorker in Boston, he's on the road, I'm going to I'm gonna hit my cough button and mute as the New Yorker is walking to uh, the Octagon. All right. Coming up here in 30 seconds will be Joe Osborne. But first, want to just let you know if you are going to be at TD Garden this weekend. And if not, you can get involved as well. UFC has partnered with the Boston Bruins on a new charitable online and in-venue 50-50 raffle campaign. So fans 18 years or older, anywhere in the state of Massachusetts, at the time of purchase, you go to UFCBoston5050.com to buy your tickets. If you're attending the event live at TD Garden this Friday night, by the way, make a note, Friday, not Saturday uh, you can buy your raffle tickets by a roaming seller or by visiting a kiosk on the concourse. Levels on that proceeds will benefit the Boston Bruins Foundation. Get your tickets. Not now, but right now. 
Awesome. All right, time now for this week's Pick to Click. It is brought to you by OddShark.com. OddShark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for every game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. So head over to OddShark and start playing like a shark today. That is OddShark.com. Don't forget that second S. I was on that website looking at UFC lines this morning. All right, now with us from OddShark.com. Sports analysts on Twitter, JTFOZ, Joe Osborne. My man, Joe, how are you this Monday? Guys, I am basking in the glow of a strong uh, betting performance uh, in NFL Week 6. But uh, as you well know, John, it's a week-to-week league. You can easily, uh, just as easily go 0-5 as you can 5-0, and so I'm not getting too high on myself. You pop a 5-0, and kid? Is that what you're telling us? Uh, well, no. I went 4-1 huh. in the Vegas Circuit Contest. Very close. Um, That's I got good enough. burned by uh, uh, the, the Jaguars, who were hosting the Saints this week. Yep. I kind of, it looked like a bit of a trap line on the Saints, and I overthought it and went with the Jags there. But 4-1 there, so I um, uh, have my head well above water at, I think, 17-13. Uh, and 13. Nothing to brag Let's about. Go. A couple of good weeks, I could get myself in the money. There you go. I uh, I also took an L on the Jaguars. I'm I'm sitting 16 and 13 with the Lions plus four and a half tonight, trying to get to 17 and 13 in the Super Contest. It's just such a fucking grind, man. It kills me. Like it's completely ruined fantasy football. Just so consumed by the Super Contest. Uh, what do, what do you think, Lions Packers tonight? Uh, Detroit catching three and a half now was four and a half total is 46. Uh, you got any action tonight or what? Yeah, I'm on the under 46 in this one. Uh, I, I think the side's uh, way, way too difficult to, to choose. I would lean Lions, though. They look really good. They're coming off their bye, and they have another uh, day of rest on top of their bye. So I would favor them in this spot. But uh, I like under 46. Uh, each defense, very strong against the pass. Each ranking in the top five in opponent completion percentage. Devontae Adams is out again. That could be a very yep. big issue, uh, much bigger than last week versus the Cowboys, who've proven themselves to be a pretty big fraud at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at the Packers, they're having a hard time extending drives. They're ranked 27th in third down conversion percentage. Detroit's defense, really good in the red zone. They're ranked 10th in opponent red zone TD percentage. Uh, a couple of trends. Uh, total's gone under in 14 of the Lions' last 19 divisional games. Total's gone under in the Packers' last five divisional games and uh detroit just a good under bet overall over the past going back to last season total's gone under in eight of their last 11 average combined score just 39 points so a lot of evidence pointing towards the under so i'll be hoping for a lot of punts tonight and you're 2-0 on the monday nighters here on the anakin florian podcast now when we spoke at oddshark.com on your show guys and bets last week i think it was we talked about kamar usman and colby covington this fight mm-hmm. is getting people to las vegas like my brother as soon as that fight was announced, he's like, hopefully your tickets haven't been given away. And I know you've got some feelings from a betting perspective on the fight. So what is the current price and what can you tell us about where your mind is at when it comes to analyzing that epic welterweight championship fight coming up? So, yeah, we have uh, Covington right now plus 140. Usman coming back at minus 170. And, you know, everyone knows if you're a hardcore fan, you know about Covington. He checks all the boxes as someone to dislike and cheer against. And that's intentional on his part. It's a gimmick that, you know, like I say, most hardcore fans can see right through. I find it mostly entertaining. can get a little bit mean-spirited, but that's where he gets his (laughs) edge, I think. And, you know, it will be interesting to see. If Usman is thrown off by the head games, he usually has a very respectful discourse with his opponents. That will not be the case this time around. So, 
you know, as we've seen with McGre- Conor McGregor, who is the absolute master of this, all this animosity that's coming through this building, and it creates such an incredible level of pressure, and you don't know how people will respond to that. Um, so looking at it, though, I think it's much closer to a coin flip here, guys. That means, from a betting value perspective, uh, Covington is the pick to make. These guys have had a couple similar opponents, and RDA and Damien Maia, I think a pretty good argument could be made that Covington is more impressive versus those guys. So I think he's the pick to make, and if you want to uh, go a little bit riskier, you can actually get him to win by decision at plus uh, 290, so close to 3-1 to one there. Uh, you know, Usman's a hard guy to pick against. He hasn't lost since 2013, but uh, just Covington, his pace, you know, incredibly impressive five-round performance against Robbie Lawler, so I would lean his way at that price at plus 140. Yeah, it's a little interesting, too maybe sprinkle that plus 290 Covington by decision. Well, we'll be talking obviously a lot about that fight leading up to uh, December 14th in Vegas. All right, last thing before we let you go, obviously a big show in my hometown, Boston, this weekend. You got Yair mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, the rematch, Dominic Reyes, Chris Weidman. Uh, any lean on the main event or anything that you like coming up on this uh, Boston card in five days? Yeah, I'm with Kenny. I like uh, Weidman here as an underdog. Uh, so we have Reyes at 150, minus 150, and Weidman coming back as as the dog at plus 130. And this fight, it fits a very familiar betting pattern that we've seen in the UFC over the past year, and that's a star that's past their prime taking on, as an underdog, taking on a younger fighter of lots of potential that very well could be in title contention one day. A couple of, ex- of examples of this. Donald Cerrone was a dog versus both Mike Terry and Alexander Hernandez, won both fights. Aldo was a slim underdog versus Moicano, won that fight. And as recent as this weekend, guys, uh, Cup Swanson, plus 160, and we know how that one ended versus Cron Gracie. You know, I think we can get a little carried away with uh, prospects getting that UFC push a little bit. This is easily the biggest fight of Reyes' career, who, you know, I didn't find he was wasn't very very impressive in his last two fights, both decision victories, where he maybe right. slowed down a little bit in the third round. This is his first time in a five-round fight. He's never been into the fourth round. We know Weidman's history there. And, uh, you know, I heard you guys talking about that weight cut. Uh, I think that's going to give Weidman some extra energy. He actually has a one-inch reach advantage in this fight, so oh, I wow. like him at plus 130. Joe Osborne bringing it on the back end today, like my it. man. You can find him on Twitter at JTFOZ. And, again, if you're betting on any of these sports and not following my man Joe Osborne, uh, maybe you just don't like handing out those follows. Thank you, my man. I will. Uh, I look forward to talking to you in a couple weeks, and we'll see how it goes for you tonight. Lions, Packers, under 46. Yes, sir. Good luck with your Lions, and good luck in Beantown. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, I got the uh, Detroit Lions catching four and a half points tonight. Try to close out a three and two in the super contest. Oh, need it. Absolutely need it. Oh, look at the green balloon on the way out. (laughs) See, the balloons are flying because that is it for today. Oh, my gosh. True. True. For Anik and Florian podcast debut. (laughs) Truey. I mean, hey, Uncle John. Mix of Clark and Kenflow. <laughs> Getting emotional here on the way out. Thank you to our guest, Joe Osborne, Ian Parker, our producers, TJ DeSantis. Uh, wishing Ray Long all the best this weekend. Needs a win with Chris Weidman off the I Quinta loss. Good I know luck, they got Ray. the Favola decision, but uh, we'll see if Ray Longo can get it done. And again, we hope to see many of you at the weigh-in at the Orpheum Theater. That is 5 p.m. on Thursday. The fights are Friday at TD Garden. With that, for True Florian, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the new YouTube channel. That is up and going for about a month now, and you can watch the show now worldwide at your discretion. We look forward to talking to you all again next Monday. Until then, don't text and drive. 
See y'all later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.